0: Love Talk Radio. 12th. It's uh, 2013 is the year. This is Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news and politics from the perspective of the uniquely American sense of life, and we thereby hope to preserve and revive it. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me here in the studio is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Say hello, Bosch. Hello. Running in at the very last yes. second, but he has an excuse. Why? Because he brought us Yay! Yay. Um, I am sipping on a delightful Breve Latte, which means it's made with half and half, which means it's sort of semi-almost paleo, I guess, kind of. So welcome, everyone. Yes, we haven't had a show in a couple of weeks. Why? Because last week I was at the Objectivist Conference in Chicago. I just went for the weekend. And if you did follow on Twitter and check out the little SoundCloud, I did do one dispatch. But I was running around so busy and, and seeing so many friends and things like that, that I really got around to doing only one. So I'm sorry about that. But we did the dispatch from the beautiful apartment of Jonathan Honig. He is the head CEO of and probably every position known to mankind for capitalist pig, which is his business. And we also got to see him give a presentation mm-hmm. about the um, commodities trading, trading yeah. in Chicago. And I found that fascinating as well because he, t- he actually showed us what it was like to be a trader in the pit yeah. for the futures markets, you know, for all the commodities futures markets and stuff. So I really enjoyed that. That was, a, that was a lot of fun. I talked in the dispatch a little bit about the general session lecture of Ankar Gatte, where he discussed the moral and the practical. And he had a lot of great advice. I, you know, uh, if um, if you go to my blog at DontLetItGo.com, I have added there today, and I, I worked my butt off before the before the show came on. I was sitting there putting all the links in that I'm going to be talking about in the show today. I have a little section at the end of the post called Program Notes, and you'll be able to see all the links to all the things I'm talking about today. And one link that I do have is to the Objectivist Conferences live stream lectures now you say live stream well they recorded them and i think that they're going to be available up through august something or the other and that you could go there register and watch the recorded lectures for some of these lectures i mean you know i only saw a few of them because i was only there a short time but uh on cars on the moral versus the practical i found very helpful he had a lot of advice about you know what to do in your own life but in terms of the show here and communicating to people, one thing that caught me was the phrase that, you know, when people say, not only is it moral, it's practical. And he said, that makes a couple errors. First of all, if you say, not only is it moral, but it's practical, so they'll say open immigration, right? Not only is it moral, but it's practical. We can debate about that later. But uh, if you say that, you say, well, gosh, you know, usually or often, the moral is not the practical. But here you're pointing out an instance in which the moral is the practical. So there's that idea that you're conceding that premise if you use that formulation. And yeah, you know, radio's an inexact form. We're sitting here live. We're, you know, I don't have a written out script most of the time. I maybe have a couple notes or something, but... You want to try as much as possible not to use formulations that will concede invalid premises. And I certainly don't want to concede that there's a divergence between the moral and the practical, Uh, not as an objectivist, not as someone who likes Ayn Rand's philosophy. So. There's that. The other thing he says you're conceding when you say not only is it moral, but it's practical, is you're implying that there are two different standards. There's the standards by which you judge something as moral. There's the standards by which you judge something as practical. So in effect, it's the epistemological, the knowledge sense of it in terms of the standards that you apply to judge these two things. And it's the existential, the things in the world you know, do they coincide? Is the moral the practical all the time for the most part, or only just sometimes as an exception? So I, I found that really helpful. I thought that was fun. Your uh, own Brooks general session lecture kind of tied into that a little bit he talked a little bit about some of the moral practical stuff but one of the things i really liked about his lecture he he was talking about how objectivism is difficult and radical and hard and how our positions really do differ a lot from what you hear out there and he was talking about gun control and gun control was as an example of an issue on which objectivists can disagree sometimes and that we might have, you know, varying opinions about, you know, how much would you, you know, have a right to, what kind of guns would you have a right to in self-defense, etc. But the thing that I like that he said, and, and think about this, he said, if you're living in a society where you feel you like, you have to have a gun to defend oh, yourself, yeah. that it's a failure. That our government is not doing its job. We are supposed to be able to delegate to the government our right to self-defense and have confidence that the government's going to do a good job with this. And Jerome pointed out that if you feel like you've got to have these guns all the time, that that you know constitutes a failure by our government to do its job.
1: No doubt, but then there's the consideration that sometimes things happen, and that's why he's open to the idea. Oh,
0: yeah, no, he, no.
1: Well, he, well, even for himself, he said he's actually been considering, only lately, right. actually getting but, a gun. But, because, you know,
0: he, he considers that really, really yeah. a sign of failure on on the part of United States culture and, and government at, 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 you know, at large. And in part because he says he hates guns. He grew up in a gun culture in Israel, so he has a particular animus about... The issue. Anyway, I thought that was good. And then I did catch a live stream lecture yesterday by Dr. Tara Smith, and she was talking about the uh, what they call the politics of the pretend, the idea of evasion by people in the culture, our you know politicians, etc., and the damage that that does. And one of the things she was talking about is that she was very surprised that there are a number of people who think what the NSA has been up to is just no big deal. And she had a really great formulation that both Bosch and I were really taken by, and Bosch attempted to put some of it there on Twitter. Twitter, 140 or fewer characters, kind of hard to do. But she said, I have nothing to hide um you know that you know this idea of the i have nothing to hide attitude that if you as long as you don't you haven't done anything wrong you have nothing to hide you really shouldn't care about the NSA having your metadata as yeah. they call it
1: which and they can uh, gather a lot through that alone phone call a certain time a certain area a certain group yeah
0: yeah, and, and metadata about your internet activity and right. your emails can, you a lot. can tell even a lot more than your phone calls, I would say. But in any event, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, I've got nothing to hide. What do I care? And it's all for safety and everything. So she says, yeah, I have nothing to hide. She says, but I also have nothing to share so indiscriminately and without my consent. That's and that's the part that you couldn't awesome. fit there on the tweet, yep. Bosh. But. Yep. Yeah the the idea that you are being forced by our government to share things indiscriminately and without your consent is outrageous and she exhibited the appropriate amount of outrage i always like uh, hearing tara about that and and i liked getting a little shout out in the q and a about privacy too Can I say one thing also
1: about um ancor talk you you mentioned and also mentioned about the personal, the personalization personalizing these major issues and what, what comes to mind? I mean, did you run barter up. I think Tara brought up as well.
0: Yeah. Now he had uh, three distinct questions that you should ask yourself. And I unfortunately was uh, sitting there and not with a, a notepad and I'm, Oh, I'll remember all three distinctively, but no, no. But, but the gist of it is that you need to ask yourself the things that you value and why that you value them and really treat your moral life as important and personal to you. And, 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 in effect, also ask who can you emulate, who do you want to emulate in your life and why. And it it got me thinking about certain things. You know, you think, oh, well, I want to be a good radio host. And, you know, you have arbitrary goals. Like say you say, oh, well, I want to get on The Daily Show or something, right? Suppose you say you want to do that. But why? What's the value in that so much? I mean, if you say, well, you want to communicate good ideas to the public, then you just work on building right. the best darn show that you can and providing value to your listeners. You don't sit there and say, oh, well. well being
1: on a show is not up to you, really. You just get caught up into it.
0: Right, right. I want to get on this no, show or that point. show, right? So uh, the, these things, you can, you can lose sight. Of the important things about the goals in your life is the way that I took what on was saying. And again, he had three distinct questions that you should ask yourself. And I, I, I would recommend. I might even go and pay the live stream fee, even though I was sitting there live and go watch thing, it again.
1: I one thing on my wall years ago it says it, it, it was a question: Would your heroes admire you? I think it's a pretty potent question to ask right. yourself, and you'll you'll know the answer.
2: Yeah,
1: almost instantaneously. And un, another thing, Yvonne asked this one question. He says he asked himself a question. and He says we should ask the question when it comes to war would you be willing to fight in this war and even more so deeper would you want your children to fight in this war that you know
0: right that that defense. was a, that was another excellent point yeah. that he he was saying in terms of you know objectivists are often smeared as warmongers bloodlusting warmongers yeah. et cetera. and he said in fact we are more pro peace than anyone. It's
1: probably the most anti peace philosophy out there, and it is anti I mean, an, war, anti war, anti peace. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I'll thinking about Islam. Islam is peace, so yes, anti peace. That's that's what I meant. <laughs> but yeah, the most anti war, and he's absolutely right when it comes to force. When it comes to to, to the initiation of force, who has been more explicit against it than Iran and mm-hmm. objectivism? Nobody. I mean, really, really hasn't. In terms of language, also just just one little example. Sure. In terms of. Uh, Miscommunicating certain ideas that you want to. This might be might be a great example, but in uh, in my comic The Infini Number Two, it's uh, two brothers, uh, Salam the, the Muslim and the ex-Muslim Killian. I call him Boarding again Muslim and uh, Recovered Muslim. They're talking about their their philosophy. So at one point Salam says, uh, "You were talking about your silly philosophy." So then uh, you know Killian says, "My philosophy is based on reality and reason. Yours on faith and fantasy, which is silly." And I originally had, "Which is sillier?" Mm. And that was an important point. I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" I, right. I had to step back and say, "Well, which is silly? If right. not, which is silly? Because you're conceding that your philosophy is silly. Right, right. And my, yours is more silly. Yours, is, yours is it's sillier than mine. This it's is not. this
0: is why an editor's job yeah. is such a, a big thing. You looked at I, it. I
1: looked at it. I think we both maybe caught it.
0: I, I think you caught that because okay. I don't. I don't remember catching that. But one thing that uh, I fell into when I was writing my dissertation, which is you know, it's easy to fall into all kinds of horribleness when you write a dissertation. I called something more fundamental than something else. All right. And Leonard Peikoff said to me, <laughs> it's not that it's – there's no more fundamental. Right. It's either fundamental or it's not. It's fundamental right. within a context, and that's it. So, yeah, there's all sorts of uh, errors that yeah. you can make. The only one other thing that I want to mention, I did catch a couple lectures by Adam Mossoff, and he was talking about how to defend intellectual property rights. And one With thing the- that I am convinced of is that it's very important to defend intellectual property rights today. If you value all of your tech gadgets – your iPhones uh, listening to this on the computer. Now, this is all made possible by patented tech technologies. And if people didn't have the right to patent, then who would have an, an incentive or be rewarded properly for uh-huh. their, their work. I was very impressed with what he has to do to defend intellectual property rights in today's context in academia. And here's why, uh, there were a few different examples that he gave, and I can't go into them here. But in essence, when he is untangling the anti intellectual property arguments out there, he has to point out epistemological errors, things having to do with technical stuff in the theory of knowledge. He has to point those out that those errors are being made by his opponents and has to try to make some progress. Among the honestly confused people in academia who are not objectivists who don't know philosophy. And I asked him, I said, this seems very technical. You know, how can you do this? I mean, are you making progress? Can you actually educate these people when they're not objectivists? You're not trying to convert them to objectivism, nothing. You're just trying to point out certain errors that they've made in their thinking processes and their logic. And he says, "Yeah, he's, he's making that progress. Uh, he's at the Center for the Protection of Intellectual Property at George Mason. I should have put that link in my list of links at go dot com, but I did not."
1: Well, also, if they tend, if they will understand that from his communication of it, then they will understand further things, and they might open up to being, you know, influenced by objectivism at least, if not become
0: maybe. But I mean, really, that's that's not our goal, and and this is another thing that right. Tara Smith was saying at the end. Of her lecture. I mean, what's your goal in doing all this, giving these talks and communicating ideas? It's not, oh, I'm going to try to convert everybody to my philosophy. It is that I'm going to use my philosophy to give the best arguments that I can for my positions on certain things that are important out there in hopes that you can convince other people on the things that are going on right now take your side, even if they don't agree with your philosophy on these certain issues and try to make the world a better place for us, for our lives. Right. You know, it's not, it's not this pie in the sky future thing. And, you know, Tara says, look, you know, I, and I'm not going to, she actually said what her age was. I don't. Have to, I won't uh, say it, was, it again. But it she's like, great. look, you know, I'm this age. I have only so much of my life left. And she says, I want to make my life better for me now. Here, this is why we do this stuff. And and I think this is, you know, and it, you have to enjoy it for its own sake as well. But it's not trying to convert the world. It's no. trying to help make the world a better place now for our life uh, as as we're living it. One other uh, couple things. Actually, I have two other things. I'm sorry. One is. Anthem the Play. There's a play based on Ayn Rand's novelette Anthem, and it is going to be in New York for 10 weeks starting on September 25th, which I think is really cool. Mm. The director is Anne Chickalilla. I've seen her direct some pieces. I think she's really good. And it was adapted by Jeff Britting, who I also think it does some good work. I have not seen this adaptation, though, so I can't tell you for sure, but I've heard good things about it. And I want to try to make it to New York City to see it. You can find the link on my blog at DontLetItGo.com. Quick program note about this show. I don't, I, you know, I've talked about this a little before, but maybe not enough. On the weekends, this show is rebroadcast on Liberty Express Radio. So, a special shout out to everyone who's listening at Liberty Express Radio. Hello and thank you for listening. Thanks, uh I found out that the show is doing really really well in the link- in the weekend lineup that it has distinguished itself there and uh, well, kind bubbles. of week after week. So I I think that's really nice to see the listenership there and welcome on board. Thank you in general for everybody who supports this show. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit very briefly about the topic that as Greg Gutfeld, he says the, the, uh, the story that no one in the media will discuss, which is the Zimmerman trial. And of course he's being sarcastic. As far as I can tell, the defense has rested They're waiting for the verdict and there's all sorts of speculation about what's it going to be. And is there, are there going to be riots and blah, 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 blah. blah. But there's really two things I know. First of all, if they're pushing in the manslaughter charge at the last minute as a way to say, look, this case is garbage. And that's the impression that I'm getting is that there's no good case against Zimmerman. I know very little about it, but you've been watching kind of from the sidelines. Um, you know, if they're bringing the manslaughter charge in there as a way to have the jury say, oh, here's a charge where we can save some face yep. or keep the peace. Yep. You know, if they're going to make Less if they're going to make Zimmerman a martyr for the sake of avoiding riots. I think that is disgusting. Yep. And that's the sense that I'm getting is that they're maybe going to give him a manslaughter charge, even though that particular charge wouldn't be justified at all. Yep. <sighs> Who knows? A um defense case,
1: as far as I gather.
0: But, but here's an angle on the story that I saw earlier this week and that I think just is worth noting. Department of Justice. I didn't even know before I saw this article at the Daily Caller. It was posted on the 10th, by, and it's written by Patrick Howley. Department of Justice has a division that is called Community Relations Service. And I'm particularly attuned to about this kind of thing why because I was on for a couple of years I can't believe I was there for a couple of years on the Orange County Community uh, uh, Human Relations Commission it's uh, the same sort of organization right where their whole thing is trying to smooth over relations between law enforcement and the community and one, or one segments of how, within the community of how
1: disgusting it was where I had to actually shut my mouth
0: go go ahead
1: one of the members uh, was talking about nine eleven for some reason and said, uh, yeah, a friend of mine's husband passed away in the towers. Passed away in the towers. Passed away. Passed away. Yeah, just That's like,
0: all. you know, dropped dead of a attack of for no good reason.
1: This is the kind of mentality that, that, yeah. that was part of it.
0: In general, though, these community relations, human relations, commissions, whatever you want to call them, they are all over the country and apparently at every level of government, because now I've learned the Department of Justice has a division, <sighs> Community Relations Services, I would say at least 95% of what these things do is not a proper function of government. The only function that this sort of organization or unit or division or whatever performs that I had some question about that I thought maybe it would be a proper function of government in the sense of necessary to defend and protect individual rights, right? This is the proper function of government. Protect our rights. In other words, protect us from the initiation of force. Maybe you would say that there is a division that should be in charge of the relations between the community and law enforcement itself, where you could go and file a complaint about a police officer who, for example, there was a story recently about how a police officer shot this guy's dog because the dog was coming after him when the police officer was arresting the guy. And that could be a community relations issue. Right. But these. Units, you know, these divisions, these commissions, or whatever they are all over the country, they've taken upon themselves the idea that they are going to improve relationships between races, huh? you know, the, between the whites and the blacks and the Hispanics, or between religions, between the Jews and the Muslims and the Catholics and the Christians and whatever. You're not, you're not going to do this, first of all. I mean, it's both impractical and immoral. Plus,
1: plus, you look at who's at top, the immoral. Eric Holder.
0: Oh, yeah, Department Department of Justice. The
1: depraved Eric Holder.
0: Yeah, no, truly, truly disgusting. So what you find out, according to this story of the Daily Caller, now that I'm so long-winded, is that there is this community relations service of the Department of Justice, and that they spent our money, tax dollars they got from us, in order to facilitate, provide some security for perhaps, Facilitate anti Zimmerman protests. And this is what I find, right, with the community relations and, and uh, you know, human relations in Orange County, same thing, is that when they intervene, right, it's not just that they're performing some supplemental service that should be done by a private organization, if at all, right? You can have a nonprofit and Take donations and have your anti-Zimmerman protests. To your turn, blue in the face. It's a free country, freedom of speech, whatever. I think the right. The
1: protest wasn't as big as they wanted it to be, so that's why they went behind to say "Let's really stoke it up here." I think so.
0: It could be. I I don't know what they're doing, right? But uh, the thing that's for sure is that when they're coming in, and, you know, it's not that they're doing something extra that they shouldn't right. be doing, and and that they're spending our tax money on it. So it's a loss of tax money. It's not just that. They are intervening in a case. this is a criminal case in which we need the government to be objective. We need the government to be an objective fact-finder to decide who's innocent, who's guilty, etc. And if they are facilitating anti-Zimmerman protests, they lose all objectivity. So here's the federal government intervening in effect on the side of the prosecution in you know it's a state court case. Because it's a criminal case, truly disgusting cool. and revulsifying, yeah, and, that, and that's what they do. Uh, these human relations. There were a number of times where they say, "Oh well, we're just trying to, for instance, help to explain to the gang members in Orange County, yeah. you know, what their rights are, or this or that." And it turned out that they were, in effect, helping the gang members against law enforcement. Right. Taking an anti-law enforcement stance and interfering with the law enforcement function. And this is the stuff you cannot abide, right? You can't just say, oh, isn't that, it's nice. It's, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have it in a proper government, but, oh, it's not doing harm. It's doing harm. It's doing harm. And uh, anyway, that's an angle on the Zimmerman case that even we can be interested in. Otherwise, uh, you know, again, I, I hope that they reach a just verdict objectively on the evidence that they don't just decide oh well you know everybody wants him to go to jail or he'll be safer in jail let's just put him in jail on a manslaughter charge and and from what i read the manslaughter charge could bring even more years in prison than the second degree murder charge and and i also heard that i heard that they tried to bring in some bogus third degree charge which had to do something with like Abusing a child or something? Well, you just, know, it Obama
1: behind the obvious. scenes probably trying to make this guy, trying to convict this guy, somehow, some way, because it's, to him, it's it's a race issue. To Eric Holder, it's a race issue, because even CNN calls him a white Hispanic, which has never been used before that term ever in history, as far as I know, a white Hispanic, because he's lighter than uh, Trevor Martin, so therefore he's not really um, a minority. You know, he's, he's a white Hispanic, plus his name. They don't call him Jorge Zerman, they call him George Zerman.
0: Yeah, I mean, why make this a whole because race racist. issue? Because I mean, they're racist. I think I can't remember if it was Gutfeld on the five. You know, look, it's a couple guys in a fight, and it went beyond what it should have been, and you know, it, it's it's a criminal case, and people are just blowing it all out of proportion oh, yeah. and no, make no, yeah. and they're trying to make a statement via yeah, this I'm, case. you know, and he, here here's a guy who may have just been defending himself with yeah. the gun. It, apparently, it happens all the time, but this case is supposed to be was, a big litmus it was, test. Yeah,
1: exactly. Case. For our country, it was two individuals in a hardcore scuffle, and one defended himself to you know to the utmost limit. And yeah, they're trying to make it a cultural issue. This 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 story defines us. Yeah, I,
0: I, I honestly can't a... really comment enough on the substance yeah. of the case. I, I watched some of the coverage. It does seem that there's a pretty good case for Zimmerman's defense, but I, I need to have watched the yeah. whole thing. And, and I, you know, frankly, I wasn't that interested to in watch the whole thing. Well, you know I, I, I was definitely interested on the idea that our federal government is using our money to intervene on behalf of one side, on behalf of the prosecution. And the
1: nature of those who have been pushing the issue, you can't trust them, so you can't really read those articles. You know those have been pushing this this story
0: yeah, yeah it's so funny um what's his name on the five uh who's good on nSA and snowden and bad on this Bob Beckel
1: Bob Beckel right
0: yeah right he's so he's odd. also
1: no he's a leftist and he's an idiot most of the time but on the issue of sometimes Muslims and Islam he's pretty good
0: well, and he's also good on the NSA Snowden yeah, That's thing. true. So let's let's talk about this new IRS scandal. There's another IRS scandal. Yeah,
1: I didn't read this. I don't know. Yeah. This is all
0: uh, so, new. So we get to educate Bosch here too. Wow. An- another IRS scandal waiting to happen. <sighs> this is Kimberly Strassel over at the Wall Street Journal, and this was published yesterday, July 11th, 2013. <sighs> Says the Obama administration claims that it wants to ensure. That the rank political abuse perpetrated by the IRS is never repeated, and then it says, "Ask Donald McGahn how it, that is going." And the, the Donald McGahn is an outgoing, I guess, Federal Election commission, uh, commission head. You know, he's like the commissioner of a Federal Election Commission. And this commission apparently was created in the wake of Watergate to remove the primary power over political actors from the Justice Department. So this is a commission. It's got an equal number of Democratic and Republican commissioners so that neither side can impose a partisan agenda. And it says this means that there's a lot of deadlocks. But, you know, sometimes the left, they would prefer what they call a fire and brimstone regulator. But instead, it's a very measured response from them. Now, um, apparently... The way that this works, right, and this is this is the scandal. And this is the thing, you know, in order to understand what the scandal is, I had to have like 12 cups of coffee this morning. Mm-hmm. I am offended horribly when our government is so big and complex and bureaucratic that in order to understand why something is a scandal, I have to have 12 cups of coffee. Right. But, But here it goes. So what happens, I guess, is that if there is a political actor – someone who they suspect of being a political actor and, I guess, abusing their IRS status or something, right, Um, then what they're supposed to do is investigate this. But before they investigate this, they have to have someone who writes a report. So listen to this. It says, when a complaint is filed with the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, against a political actor, then the general counsel is required to write a report for the commissioners on whether there is, quote, a reason to believe that the actor committed a violation. The report is supposed to be confidential and never made public until the case is closed. Yet, FEC staffers have sent these reports to the Department of Justice. In one case, before the report was even considered by the commissioners. Yep. Now, again, this commission is set up so that all these decisions are made apart from the Department of Justice to make it as least political as it can be. If you're going to investigate people under the auspices of the IRS. Right. Under all politics. But here's the FEC violating that by sending these reports right over to the Department of Justice before the case is closed and sometimes even before the commissioners have considered it and decided whether they were going to go ahead and pursue an investigation. So this is a, I think, complex scandal. I'm wondering if people are even going to understand it enough in the news, but it shows you again that the IRS is being used for political ends, and I guess has been for quite a long time. It doesn't look like this is only under Obama. It looks like this has been fudged for a while.
1: Who isn't a political actor in the IRS and in Obama, the federal government? I mean, who isn't?
0: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. In order to work for a really long time in the IRS, which is the type of people who get promoted, you would have to believe in its mission of stealing as most You know, as much money as you can from Americans consistent with the law. And I think that would be very demoralizing and pretty much destroy your ability to think and like yourself.
1: If you were a good person when you entered, you can't leave that way.
0: Yeah. I I, I just don't see it at all. So, again, another IRS scandal waiting to happen. In essence, it is showing you how the political – you know, the politicization. Pol- politization?
1: The politicization.
0: Can- <laughs> <laughs> Help me with this pronunciation, Bosch. Uh, politicization. My iPad. Okay. Oh, Bosh has got to go get some notes. He's going to regale me with something. I'm scared. Here we go. Let's go on to Snowden. I want to talk about Snowden, the latest on Snowden. And the NSA story in today's Wall Street Journal and other news sources near you Snowden to seek asylum in Russia for now. Asylum in Russia for now, at least for now. Why? And this is so bizarre, right? Um, he has to have asylum in Russia, as I understand it, in order to eventually get permission to travel to the other countries that have offered him. Permanent asylum. That's what I understand. Uh, Again, you know, again, I was just railing on the idea that it's so complex. Our government is so complex and so bureaucratic that you have to have 12 cups of coffee to understand the latest IRS scandal. Our travel bureaucracy is so complex. Why is it that Snowden can't just get a piece of paper that says he can travel and just let him go? Why, you know, the the U.S. revokes his passport, invalidates his passport, and the consequences that he's stuck in the Moscow transit, whatever, area for weeks. I mean, wh- what do you think should be required in order to travel? They, everybody in the world knows who this guy is. Yep. They know whether he is a dangerous terrorist who's going to bomb everybody. They know whether he's got some contagious diseases you know imagine all these things right they, they know that that's not the thing about him the yep. thing about him is that united states decided they don't like him anymore because he has revealed yeah. what they're up to yep. so they've revoked his passport why can't somebody just give him some sort of document that allows him to go i know quick i don't know it, it is way too complicated to legally travel in the world today that's my first point. Uh, so what is he doing? He's seeking asylum in Russia, as far as I can tell, in order just to get a valid passport so he can get to one of the countries that has offered him more permanent asylum. I, I love it. This is interesting. So there's there's some quotations about, um, you know, some some Russian authorities and what they say about Snowden. Uh, someone named Sergei Narishkin. He's the speaker of Russia's lower house of parliament. Uh, he is one of the most senior officials yet to endorse Mr. Snowden's request for refugee status. Here's a quote from Sergei Narishkin. He says, I think Edward Snowden is a rights activist and an advocate for the rights of millions of people all throughout the world. And he said Russia should provide him with political or temporary asylum, end quote. Bravo for you, okay. Mr. Narishkin. Um, and then it says, another. I don't even know if I can pronounce this other guy's name. Vyacheslav uh, Nikonov, he is a senior member of parliament and the ruling United Russia Party. He said that he asked Snowden how Snowden likes Russia, and this is Snowden's response. It's safe here. Yeah. That's all he said. Yeah, simple. He, so they're not even able to get a quotation from Snowden, like extolling the virtues of Russia. Yeah. Extolling, stole haha, <laughs> did you get it? Okay. <laughs> um but, you know, it, it is safe for Snowden, relatively speaking, in this context right now, because why? Putin has said that Russia doesn't extradite people to United States. I like that. Um, Snowden apparently seemed upbeat at this little kind of meeting that they had with the human rights groups, etc. He was thin and pale, but well-coiffed said, Mr. Nikonov, I guess that's very important to them in, in Russia. That I wish Obama
1: was in, um, in his position today. Maybe we could just swap Obama. them. Yeah.
0: Have Obama stuck in the yeah. transatlantic.
3: Maybe we, put, we could swap you know them. That, you
0: know that Star Trek thing where you just kind of like change the place of two people? Can't I you guess. do that? It's like yeah. the Star Trek transporter, but you just yeah. swap them? Exactly. I, put, I think... him, put
1: him in the White House. I mean, he might not be great, but he would be better than uh, Obama at least.
0: Oh, I would I would have Snowden over Obama <laughs> in two seconds. I do fear what a Snowden yes, foreign policy yes. would be like. I think
1: he's a Ron Paul type.
0: You know, well, and this this gets to one of the points that I want to talk about, and it's this issue of Snowden being hero versus traitor. And one of the stories that I printed out today, and and I shared it on my page on Facebook, the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook earlier this week, as. Evidence. I saw this as evidence that the American sense of life is alive and well, yeah. even though you have respected people in the media, a bunch of people even well, at Fox News saying alive. this guy's a traitor, he's guilty of treason, he's evil, he's a hypocrite, he's garbage.
1: With the kind of passion that they never have for Obama, which is, which is strange to me. Seriously, it really is. I've n- I never seen that kind of passion against Obama that they have against Snowden. I they, haven't.
0: They really resent him. It's like it's like almost like they feel like he's doing something.
3: Yeah, something truly on behalf notable.
0: of something he believes, something and important on that the was world within. Stage. Yeah, and maybe maybe they realize that within their you know, job, whatever it is that they're doing, right? Because this is the thing. It's not like you're going to say, oh, I'm going to become an NSA contractor in order to do this. Now, yeah. I don't think Snowden did that, and I it would, would be, be really weird. That. But everybody knows that within their particular job, within their sphere of influence, that there are little things they can do to promote their values, yeah. to stand up for their values. And so here you see Snowden standing up for his values. And maybe orders. maybe they feel bad. They resent him because they know, did. they know that there have been times in their careers that they have not stood up for their values. I think
1: it's absolutely possible, that's you know? very, very possible. And he's paying a big price for this, and uh, they didn't want to pay a price, whatever it may have been. possible. Well, and
0: that, and that's one of the things that he does say in the article, right? He does say, um, he says, "I have been, I have been made stateless." and hounded for my political expression, for my act of political expression. He says, the United States government has placed me on no-fly lists, he said. It has threatened with sanctions countries who would stand up for my human rights and the UN asylum system. It has even taken the unprecedented step of ordering military allies to ground a Latin American president's plane in search for a political refugee, end quote. So these are all the things that have been done. But then at one point, and I remember seeing the quotation from him. Yeah, yeah. He says, he says the moral decision to tell the public about spying that affects all of us has been costly. Yes. So he's referring to all this That's cost absolutely. to him. He says, but it was the right thing to do, and I have no regrets.
4: That's awesome.
0: And good for him. Right. You know, um, the, he has mixed motives. He has mixed premises, no doubt. But I think that he is acting out of good motives. I no. haven't seen any evidence that he's doing anything, you know, uh, the, in accordance with any nihilist motive. I don't Someone think he's out that, to destroy.
1: it uh, WikiLeaks uh, released a statement that he made. So they say, oh, well, he's in bed with them. He hasn't done what WikiLeaks has done. He hasn't. And maybe that was the only venue that they had to spread it out widely, possibly. W- WikiLeaks
0: like, offered him help. Who else nah, is offering him help? Nobody. You know, this is. Uh, a, he makes the Obama
1: administration look bad, so the leftist media will will stay clear from him. They will they will never call him a hero. You he, he, he got some leftists out there like Oliver Stone, you know. <laughs>
0: Now think about this. It says uh, Snowden, and again, I'm reading out of this Wall Street Journal article that you can find the link to at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. It says since his arrival, Mr. Snowden had applied for political asylum in more than 20 countries, yeah. but most of his requests have been met coolly, coolly, yeah. or rejected outright. Only, only, only these three countries: Venezuela, Bolivia. And Nicaragua have offered positive responses. Ecuador, if you remember, Ecuador yeah. tried to get a whole lot of media coverage apparently yeah. because it says Ecuador initially suggested it might grant him asylum but later backed off from the offer right. after, I guess, they got all the media play that they could out of it. Right. Jerks. People people call Snowden a hypocrite mm. for seeking asylum in Venezuela, for example, right? And I say No. And I tweeted about this. You can follow me, Amy Peekoff, on Twitter if you want to get my little rant. What does there. he really want? But, do
1: he wants to go back home.
0: Yeah, he, he he'd like it. to go back home. But, but I think the people who are the hypocrites are the leaders of the Western nations as well as the pundits. And I would have thrown oh, that in yeah. a tweet, but a tweet's only 140 characters. But the leaders of the Western nations who have denied him asylum, yeah. they say they believe in individual rights, and they learn of our NSA trashing our rights. Right. Because of this act of Snowden.
1: This guy exposed.
0: And they, they don't offer him any better options. No. He has no better options.
1: And if they were if they had their way, he'd be in prison forever. If they had their way. Yeah. This is sick stuff. I mean it really is. You got and when you got also the gamut, you have leftists and right wingers the same crap coming out come out of their mouth. You know it's no good. When the left and right get together, we're all getting raped. And they're just trying to cover for the fact that they have betrayed us again and again and again, which is why they easily call him a traitor. Easily, you know. Uh, since when has anyone been called a traitor in this country out there? There have been traitors left and right. Our presidents have been traitors, politicians, senators, congressmen, you know. Yeah, yeah. Forget about
0: it. Now, on the other, on the other hand, right, when people say, well, he's a hero, I,
1: I, 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 have, felt,
0: I have not gone around and called him a hero.
1: I have never been able to do that. I admire what he's done. I, I'm glad what he did. We know about this through him. I just can never quite get there.
0: Well, and, and and here's the thing. I was starting to think about this, and this is a question I tried to ask Yaron uh, Brook during the Ocon, and Yaron focused on the motives, right? And that he's concerned that there might be a nihilist motive. But I think again, his you know the fact that WikiLeaks is helping him, and he's accepting the help of WikiLeaks. That's the options that are available to him right now. He, I think, is doing the best. So I, I don't think that he necessarily shares any nihilist motives that WikiLeaks so. has as perhaps he a predominant He probably wouldn't have done motivation. what
1: he did. He probably wouldn't have, you I mean, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't, right. he wouldn't have exposed this program
3: right otherwise now
0: in term in terms of motives i have seen that I I, I, like that I I think he's got he's got some maybe mixed motives but i think his motive in doing what we're judging right. him on now is, is all good as yes. far as i can tell yes. i i don't see him as doing this for example to punish americans for having guantanamo open like he's criticized he's criticized america for having guantanamo but i don't he hasn't said, Well and that's why I'm doing this. Yes. You know, this has just been a shoot from the hip opinion oh, of his
1: Also one of the ugliest, ugliest accusations against him. He just wants to be a rock star. A rock star? He can't go. He can't show his face anywhere. A rock star. That's pathetic.
0: Yeah. We saw the first picture that we've seen of him in weeks. Exactly. This week. He can't do anything. And even if, you know, if he's in Russia, suppose he's granted asylum and he leaves from this transit area and tries to have any kind of a life for a few weeks while he gets his travel documents together. I'm scared for him. I hope he's got security and everything else because he's got got no kind of life. He's got the life almost. I mean, maybe not quite as as dangerous because I think there's a lot of people who are really in support of him too, and and I think that those people are probably more predominant. And I don't know, you know, how bad the animus is against him, but what what about his life versus Garrett Wilder's life?
1: Yeah, Garrett Her- 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 Wilder's right.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, he will not get that.
0: Yeah. He I mean, I mean he, he
1: needs some friends. He
0: he. Uh, but I, he's he's probably got more friends than Garrett Wilders. Although I think the United States, uh, if they're trying to target him is potentially more effective in getting him than Muslims are at getting gear builders?
1: Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. So so there's that. Um, but the, the thing that gets me, right, so his motives. His motives are mixed. Right. I have no problem with calling someone with mixed motives a hero. Right. Uh, we had all sorts of people throughout history who we have said that person's a hero even if that person doesn't share my particular philosophy, he has make, maybe mixed motives in what he did. If a you, guy, can, you can still do that, yeah, right? If
1: a guy likes killing and he goes into a terrorist hut and kills them all and he goes, oh, you're a hero, he goes, well, I just like killing. I mean, that's fine. Well,
0: I don't know about that one. I don't know about is, that one. Hold
1: on a second. What I'm saying is killing terrorists saves lives. He killed murderers. He killed mass murderers. In Iran. So he saved lives by that act regardless mm-hmm. of what his... I mean, he, he just likes it. well. Okay, I like killing bad guys. Let's say there was one show, um, the Unit, where a guy uh, realized he liked killing and he couldn't make peace with it until the end of the show. And He like, goes, "My God, I love it!" You know, I, "My God, I like it." And he's still a hero. He's he's a heroic character. He yeah. just he likes killing, think, likes killing I think, bad guys.
0: Right, but I I would if if the only thing is oh yeah, I like killing. Okay, and I okay. just <laughs> happen to be here, right? right? That's a bad
1: on. example, but the guy said, "You know what? <laughs> my God, I like it." You know, he was like he had to come Shit comes first it took an entire episode but he likes it he likes killing bad guys you know i
0: need i need i need a substantial
1: well killing good, bad guys
0: no no i need i need a substantial good motive to call somebody a hero i think i would need to have a substantial good no, motive and I, and that motive would need to be the motive behind predominantly what they're that's doing
1: that's not what, what what i would call but what i'm saying is in terms of the mixed motives and but if a guy does something good if, if what he does ends up being very beneficial too Others, I mean, in a sense, where their lives are. Set. Okay,
0: okay. I'll give you a ridiculous example okay. to challenge your premise right now.
1: Well, so, listen, we're just no, talking just, here. It's not, it's not, know, I'm not saying so. Okay. I just set, make examples.
0: Okay, okay. So there's an elephant, yeah. right? And
1: In the room? Yeah,
0: that's right. There's, a, there's an elephant. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the elephant is in Pakistan, right?
1: And it crushes Paris, he's a hero. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: happens to get tired and wants to sit down. They sit down and he on sits the on Paris. Osama bin Laden. Of course,
1: he's a hero. <laughs> of course. Give him some food. Extra food.
0: <laughs> Sorry. That's not gonna work.
1: He's he's a hero. No. Yes. No. Anyway, so big hero. You
0: get my point, right? Yeah, about the motives. Okay, okay. so you, so you gotta have a substantial well, hold on a
1: second. We're talking about portion. a human being who likes killing. And uh, yeah, I'm I'll make that exception. He likes killing bad guys. And it's like someone who okay, post nine eleven, someone Wants to kill terrorists. Doesn't want to necessarily, you know, defend America and our government. No, 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 Constitution. He wants to kill terrorists. He wants. He has a bloodlust for it. He's going to kill terrorists. Any, to anybody lost.
0: else want to help me argue Bosh out of this? 760-888-5817? <laughs> a guy who wants to kill terrorists. Is no, bad? no, no. You keep killing terrorists. Is good. Of That's course. Fine. Good. But you now you've changed the example, yeah. right? So. You agree with me, so yeah, you can call yes. somebody a hero if they have some mixed motives, as yes. long as there's the substantial good motive, and that's kind of the predominant motive that they're acting on. That, that's that's my preliminary issue yes. from the hip analysis. So there's that. But then then we got to explore why is it that we're reluctant to call Snowden a, mo- uh, a hero, right? Mm-hmm. Because as far as I can tell, I I feel like I know a lot about his motives, right? Mm-hmm. What I feel like I don't know and that what's making me hesitate to call him a hero is that I want to see the trajectory of all the actions that he does. Right. So far, as far as I know, he has not sold secrets no. about legitimate government functions. We don't know that.
2: So he, has, he, no.
0: hasn't, he hasn't sold the secrets. The jury's out. He hasn't sold secrets about legitimate government functions or operations right. to our enemies. Right. If he was to sell secrets about legitimate government things to our enemies or right. even sell you know details about all this NSA stuff. Right. If if he sold details about all this NSA stuff, which I think is an illegitimate yes. operation to our enemies in such a way that it helped them fight us. Right. I think that would be bad of too, course. right? So so
3: I just don't think that's what I, he's it,
0: doing. it might be You know, and again, I've never heard of a case like a Snowden case before, but I'm thinking, you know, if you could think of this sort of situation, maybe you feel like you need to learn more about the trajectory of what his actions are going to be before you can say this guy is a hero. So that that's really my question. I've been hesitating to do it. And I just briefly got to talk to Leonard Peikoff yesterday. I'm hoping that he's going to address this soon, and he said that he. Before would, we move so. on,
1: one second. Yeah. Before we move on, uh, what did you try to pigeonhole me as about my position? What was it?
0: Your position was if he just likes killing, okay, then look, he could potentially a, be a that's hero. That's a bad
1: example, but <laughs> I want to say okay. There's a well, I don't want to say what, but there's a show where a guy kills. He likes killing. I mean, it's not even likes. He needs it. It's like a compulsion, and he has to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily even call him a hero, even, though, even though he takes out. Bad guys.
2: I mean, he's not because
1: it's almost against his will. Almost, of course, he's 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 constituted, you know, by volition. But um, it's just it's interesting, you know. I do. Okay,
0: we got somebody just dumping uh, links in the chat room here. So what do we what do we do? How do we do this?
1: I uh, I'll figure it out. Can you figure uh, it out for me, please? Yeah.
0: Thanks, Bosh. I'm going to go ahead and uh, try and take a caller here if we can. We got a caller. Hi, who's this? Walter. Hi, Walter. So uh, what comment did you have? Are you are you actually joining in and trying to talk Bosch out of the topic that I've already, I mean, the position that I've already talked him out of or
2: okay. something uh, else? I wanted to speak about what you spoke about a little while ago, about okay. the IRS scandals, the Department of Justice, Community Resolution Services. Mm-hmm. Is it against the law for the government to use its power to go after quote-unquote enemies?
0: Against the law for the government to use its power to go after enemies? Uh, maybe could you give a clearer example? I'm sorry, it's kind of too abstract for me to
2: get. Like um, using the IRS to go after Tea Party to use the community oh, okay. yeah. resolutions yeah, for, 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 services yeah. to go inciting hate and threatening violence.
0: Right, now... I don't know if per the letter of the law it's illegal, and this is really a problem, right, because I think, what's her name, Lois Lerner was saying, well, there was nothing that was actually in violation of the law, but it certainly violates the spirit, and it certainly violates the idea of a government not using its power for political ends. I mean, this is is something that since back to Watergate, we have... You know, tried. I mean, the whole Federal Elections Commission apparently is an effort to combat the idea of using the yeah, well. enforcement arm of government for political ends. So I, I would say if, if not in letter and in, in spirit, yes, it would be, uh, you know, against the law for the government to do it. Certainly, you, this is a thing, though, and, and this is something that. Uh, Tara Smith was talking about with this politics of the pretend the law now is so non objective yeah. it 's so unclear, vague in pursuing you know it isn 't in pursuance of the wrong ends it 's not protecting our rights anymore. Uh, the government is so wrong right now that basically we are left with the idea that we are supposed to trust the government and actually she didn 't make exactly this point, but i was I was reminded of. Uh, you know, remember when Eric Holder was before some senators and they were trying to ask Eric Holder whether it was constitutional to do the drone strikes right. on the enemies within the borders, if there was no imminent threat, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is the whole thing that Rand Paul had the filibuster about. Uh Holder said, Well, you know, he, he wouldn't commit himself as to whether it was actually unconstitutional or illegal or whatever. He just said, Well, we'd never do that. It wouldn't be advisable or right. so. You know, he he right. used some right. weird, you know, word about, it, you know, advisable, appropriate, you Instead know, some, saying, some vague term like that. Instead of saying, No, it's no it's, it's either, hell no. Yeah, no hell no, it's unconstitutional or it's illegal or whatever. We are in a state right now. You know, our government is in such a state that we're being asked to trust, trust our leaders. And it's it's a horrible situation where you say that the laws are so flexible, rubbery, malleable, etc., that we have to trust the integrity of the people. I mean, in, in a certain sense you do, but we it is so non-objective now that the integrity of the person is everything, and the wording of the law is nothing. Do you, would you agree, Walter, yes, on that? I'm
2: sorry. Yes, I would.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it, it should definitely be illegal to to go after our enemies, whether it is according to the letter of certain laws. I mean, or there's probably enemies, there's yeah. probably at least preambles in some of these statutes that say, you know, that in order to enforce the tax code, and that's all they're supposed to be doing is enforcing the tax code. They're not supposed to be going after Uh, people. I just want to
1: mention this one word. Uh, People have been saying that Tea Party was targeted, 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 and uh, someone on Mark Levin said they've they've been profiled, uh, and they have been profiled, and that's, you know, government is against profiling. Profiling is the worst thing in the universe. They were profiled, the the, the Tea Party. The uh, constitutionalists, the the people, the patriots, the ones with all the names, absolutely profiled by our government to stop them to stifle them from, you know, going up against Obama in 2012, which may have made the difference to some extent. It may have made some difference.
0: It may have made – I mean, yeah. Romney was such a weak sister. But, he was,
1: but even with that.
0: So, so, Walter, you are a first-time caller as far as I can tell, yes? Yes. So, welcome. And uh, did you have more to add on these stories? Because we've just been talking our butts off <laughs> here.
2: <laughs> no, you answered my question.
0: Okay. So, so have you been keeping track of all of these scandals? Are you,
2: you know, what, do
0: you, do you watch the news all the time? What, what how, what's your position on these?
2: <clears throat> I've uh, been keeping a little bit of track. I get my news through Twitter mostly. Through Twitter From mostly. TV.
0: Okay. So, do you do you follow good accounts on Twitter that you think are good sources for news, or do you rely mostly on friends who spread good links, or how do you do it?
2: friends who spread good links, and some news sources.
0: Some news sources. Who do, who do you like? Who's reliable?
2: Well, I uh, use Fox and some of the English okay. papers, like yes. The Guardian. Okay,
0: yeah. And, and The Guardian, the mail. I've got a... Daily mail. I've got a yeah, I've got I've got a couple stories printed out from the Guardian. As a matter of fact, after this I'm gonna go ahead and uh go on to another story. But uh thank you, Walter, and yeah, please do listen some more and, and call in again. We definitely appreciate first time callers and, and welcome you here. This is Uh, Yeah, we do have another call, but the caller doesn't have a little question icon. So, yeah, obviously when you call Blog Talk Radio, and you can call me at 760-888-5817, there is a little menu that you have to listen to. There's a little recording, and it tells you press a certain button if you have a question or comment for the host. And so just do that, and we will get you on. Uh, Of course, you can also comment here in the chat room, and I believe we have – eliminated the link dumper from the chat room, Bosch? Have yes. you, you've done that? Okay. Somebody was... You know. I don't know if
1: this is along the same lines, but you know sometimes uh, because of my work, my anti Jaha work, anti-Islam work, I'm, I'm called a quote-unquote hero. It's a little uncomfortable. But my thinking is uh, I love the truth. I tell the truth. I've always loved the truth, and it's just what I do. So from that perspective, I don't know if I'm getting to what I'm getting to, but I, just, I don't see myself as, as a hero. I don't at all. I just love the truth, and I follow it to, to wherever it leads and write and draw about it. And that's it. If someone wants to define me as such. That's up to them. But it's never been in my mind that kind of thinking. Where I am a hero. I, I, I don't. I don't do that. I don't think along those, those lines. Even Rand, when you know, when when Rand was called a genius, what did she say?
0: Yeah, she. Just, well, I'm.
1: I'm more honest than. She said she's more honest. Because yeah. the I, genius I, is I, busy being, you know, thinking and writing and, and 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 creating. They're not, you know, worried about what the what they're supposed to be or what they're defined as.
0: It, it was funny because Tara Smith, in her talk, I remember she said, uh, you know, she rejects the idea, oh, yeah, she's a genius. That's why she's giving these lectures. Right. You know, she <laughs> says there's nothing intellectually that advanced or That's profound, true. or I forget how she put it. And then she says, also, I reject the idea that I'm more honest. You know, she says, look, I'm, you know, but she said, what's her motivation? Her motivation for doing this is to make her life better not for someday in the future again as as objectivists i mean we're atheists we don't believe in some afterlife this is it it. here now this is we try to make our life this is it better and and snowden right snowden's got one life the one now and as far as we can tell unless there's a huge revolution here in the united states it doesn't have to be a You know, violent. We're talking could be an intellectual political revolution of of sorts through just starting a new party that isn't the Democrats or the Republicans. right? But, you know, unless there's some kind of fundamental change, Snowden is probably never going to be able to live in the United States for the rest of his life. That's a lot to give up. And he's a hypocrite because he doesn't want to come live in jail for thirty years as a you know a spy or something. That's
1: the evil thinking. I mean, it really is. They say, oh, you know, if he really had balls, he would have came in and just walked up to a police station. Really? Yeah. He doesn't think he's guilty.
0: But I'm I'm very happy to see that in this poll again. It's Wall Street Journal published July 10th on. There's a blog that they have going there, and Andrew. Alward is the one who wrote up a little story on this, but it's it's a Quinnipiac University poll that was just released on Wednesday. Fifty-five percent of U.S. voters regard Snowden as a whistleblower. Only thirty-four percent view him as a traitor. I am not a person to make an appeal to authority. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make an argumentum ad populum, of course, you know, appealing to the crowd or whatever. I'm not going to say, look, all these people. Say he's only a whistleblower, that he's not a traitor, and so therefore that's true in some way. But I just want to say to, you know, someone like Gutfeld, here's your audience, dude. They are not convinced, Greg, nice. that that he's a traitor. Um it's, you know, to, he's gotten to, less
1: strident, uh, if you notice, Greg Guffalo, about the story. He less has. strident. He, I think he's starting to realize. He
0: definitely has. Because
1: he was really I, and, bad.
0: And I did notice that um, Ambassador John Bolton was a bit less strident yeah. when he was talking to me. Yes. He probably resumed his position when he was talking to other people. But at least the passion I, against him—that's that, thats what kills me. Well, like I said, I I think I mean you know well, yeah, this, this is this, this is psychologizing. It right? is. But I but think it's possible. The the passion behind him might be that they realize they're not standing up for their values like there was a
1: point, and they didn't, and he just reminds them he's, he might be a reproach in that sense.
0: But look, only 34% view him as a traitor, and I see that not as evidence that that's true. Yeah. But for me, because I think that that is true, I think that he is not a traitor. Yeah. I think that the people who are acting or judging from a philosophy that is behind the American sense of life, I think people who are doing that will agree that he is not a traitor. So what so what I see this poll as is evidence that the American sense of life is alive and well. Does so, so does that make sense? I'm not yes. using it as evidence that the point is true. I'm, gonna, I'm using I'm it as say... evidence that these people agree with the true point. Yes. And therefore that the people who have been polled here are exhibiting what I would say is the proper American sense yeah, of life. So it just, it just gives it gives me hope. I, know, yeah, I mean,
1: and I think they also realize that those behind that program are the traitors. Those behind the surveilling of uh, Americans, they're the traitors. Right. They are the traitors.
0: Now, this is the top of the hour. Again, this is Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is a show in which we discuss from the perspective of – the proper American sense of life, news and politics. And our goal is in hopes to revive and preserve that American sense of life. The idea that we are confident in reason. We believe that we have the right to pursue our own rational self-interest. We believe that success is possible in the world. And we are not subservient to some overbearing government from hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is Amy Peacock, and in the studio with me here is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. We have been discussing a variety of topics in the first hour. We have talked about the latest IRS scandal, which I won't even begin to explain again. You can Comedy, find the yeah. you, you can find the the link on my blog at don'tletitgo.com and read the story for yourself. But in essence, it is more proof of politics coming into play in the enforcement wing of the IRS. So there's that. Uh, We've also discussed the one angle of the Zimmerman story that I've been interested in, which is that the federal Department of Justice used our tax dollars to, in effect, intervene with the population on behalf of the prosecution. In other words, against Zimmerman. They they, they they said
1: basically he's guilty and and, uh, Trevor Martin was innocent.
0: Yeah. The the way to keep the peace is to help facilitate anti-Zimmerman protests. Revulsifying. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, revulsifying and disgustipating, which I use from time to time, those are courtesy of my mother, who unfortunately is no longer with us. She used to say that certain things were revulsifying and disgustipating, and from time to time, I, I like to to bring it up, so I credit mom for that. Let's continue a little bit on you know the NSA, latest on the NSA stuff, and let's talk about the companies, the companies that were – Forced by our government to partake in these programs. Mm-hmm. We're learning a little bit more about them and whether they participated yeah. more or less reluctantly yeah. and, and you know again you, you learn about this. Uh, so for example, there was the TARP program, right. the TARP bailouts Pushed, of the bank and there were certain banks who had perfectly adequate capital reserves who did not want to participate in the TARP bailouts and yet were forced. Their arms were twisted. They had to, quote, borrow money from the government through TARP and pay it back at a huge exorbitant rate, and they didn't even need it. Disgusting. Uh, Similarly, you've got, as far as we can tell, it's starting to fall out a little, that there were companies that uh, were more or less conciliatory towards the NSA when the NSA said, hey, we want you to participate in PRISM. There's an article in you know Guardian. Walter, our caller, was talking about the Guardian UK as a good news source, and I've got a couple of stories here from the Guardian. One says that Yahoo wants FISA objections revealed. That's the headline from a story published Wednesday, oh. July 10th. And what Yahoo says that it wants is that it you know now that this program's all out in the open, and all of us quite understandably are reticent to use the services offered right. by the companies mentioned in these stories, right? Yahoo's one of the stories.
3: They took
0: a hit. Part of, they're all taking hits. Apparently there's what, – what's the search engine that everybody's duck, go, flocking go? to? Duck Go
1: DuckDuckGo.
0: Duck Duck Duck
1: Duck Go. Duck, duck, go. duck, duck,
0: duck go. So it's like DuckDuckGo instead of Duck Duck Goose, you know, that kid's okay, game, yeah. right? right? So it's DuckDuckGo. You can go and use it as a search engine, and apparently they don't track nah. your history. And, and that, they just spiked. In and and you levels. might like to use that regardless of whether the NSA right. was doing its thing. Everybody and the, you know, another point that Tara Smith made that, that stuck with me and I, I think it's true, and I was talking about this a bit last year when I gave an objectivist conference course on privacy and I was talking about the value of privacy. Everybody has their individual tastes with regard to how private they like right. to be in their life. Right? right? And some people they Publish everything that they do all the time on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I flush the
1: toilet. Yeah, I, I just was the
0: toilet. No, but there was the one example of someone on Twitter who said, uh coital watching of oh, such and such yes. show on TV. It's like, yeah, I just had sex, and now and, I'm watching this on TV.
1: And we need to know that we, why. We
0: don't need to know this stuff, right? So everybody's got their own personal taste. And even if the NSA wasn't doing its horrible thing that it's we're, doing we're right, right now to... – You might say, I don't like Google, for example, tracking my every move and selling me stuff based on my browsing history. It is eerie sometimes to look at the little ads that appear on the sideline, right? So these companies, their name is out. Their customers are unhappy, They're taking a hit in terms of their business. So, what are they doing? They're saying now that this secret is out, even though we, the companies, according to the law, we weren't supposed to be talking about our participation in this program, we're supposed to deny it, which is what they initially did. Now, what some of them are doing is they're saying, We want you to publish the court documents showing how we argued against participating in this program. We want to show the public how vehemently how energetically we resisted the government and yahoo is among those companies yahoo bravo for them it says yahoo is called on fisa the secretive u.s surveillance court to let it publish its legal argument against a case that gave the government quote powerful leverage end quote in persuading tech companies to cooperate with a controversial data gathering program says, in a court filing first reported by San Jose Mercury News, the company argues that the release would demonstrate that Yahoo objected strenuously in a key 2008 case after the NSA demanded Yahoo customers' information. Excellent. And I think I remember seeing that there were other companies who were doing the same thing. These are the companies that you should patronize, the ones who demonstrate to you that, yes, okay, the government forced us, but we objected as strenuously as possible within that context. And that, in, you know, in a free market, right, that would be what you would do. I, you know, and I've talked about this before. What would a proper policy towards all of this information, this metadata be? Maybe the metadata is owned by the company as part of its doing business with you because it's got to have certain things to do business or it wants to have this metadata so that it can sell you stuff, whatever legitimate business purpose it has, right? Suppose it owns it. Nonetheless, a government should not be able to acquire that metadata from it without particularized suspicion. I share my information with Yahoo, say I don't share my information thereby with the federal government or the state government or the local, whatever, with government. I don't do that. That's not what I'm doing. And you can say all you want that I don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in that data because 9-11 exists. And I say, government, you need to have fought a proper war after 9-11. And you need to have protected my privacy and not gone after information about Americans indiscriminately, without probable cause, without particularized suspicion. And so what you would want to see, right, from these companies is the companies would tell you, look, when the government was seeking this information, we fought the requests when we thought that they weren't backed up by probable cause, particularized suspicion. That's what I want to see from a company that I do business with. And in a proper society, there would still be this need for them to compete for your business on that ground and say, look, you know, we don't just go like turning everything over to the government all the time. You, you know, a proper society, I guess you wouldn't care that much, but you, you still wouldn't want anybody in the government just yeah. indiscriminately having all this personal information about you. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So Yahoo, bravo to you. Bravo to other companies that have done the same.
1: It's self-preservation, which is good because they they understand yeah, It is self-preservation.
0: It, it definitely is. I mean, companies that want to do business in a society where people are starting to be aware of these issues, thanks to Snowden, yep. the companies need to be clear about what they're doing to to, uh, to fight the government getting this information. Another story. Let's just juxtapose All Yahoo right. with Oof. Microsoft. Another story from the Guardian UK published on the 11th. Glenn Greenwald and a slew of other authors, as the, you know, on the heading here, how Microsoft handed the NSA access to encrypted messages—not yep. just messages, encrypted messages. Right. Exactly. So imagine you are a Microsoft customer; you have gone through the extra step, you've used up extra bandwidth, computer power, whatever it is, to encrypt your messages. Microsoft offers you this encryption software. Even, you know, I mean, think about this. I, I hate that reasonable expectation of privacy standard. I've argued against it all the time, right? Reasonable expectation, you know, it, it, it's an expectation that you have and that society is prepared to, um, you know, uh, reg- yeah, honor that expectation, that, that society is prepared to, you know, treat that expectation of privacy as reasonable, recognize it as reasonable. I hate that standard, but isn't it true that if you write a message on Outlook, Microsoft Outlook, you use the encryption function, wouldn't you say you have a reasonable expectation of privacy in that message? Oh, man, yeah. You've, I mean, you've, you've encrypted it, right? So here, here's the story. Microsoft, it says, has collaborated closely with U.S. intelligence services to allow users' communications to be intercepted. Including helping the NSA to circumvent the company's own encryption, according to a top secret document obtained by The Guardian. Now, this is something that, you know, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now. It's kind of fallout stories, follow up stories about all the different horrors yeah. in the House of Horrors of the NSA. What I want to know, and these stories don't say, is whether all of this is due to Snowden. Or whether we, you know, the, just the first couple stories that Snowden took credit for are due to him, and that the rest of this is maybe due to other people or more investigative reporting. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. What I do know is that this avalanche of stories that we're getting was started right. by, by Snowden. So I, exactly. I, I give him credit for a lot of this, even if he didn't personally leak this particular. Oh, wait, no, this one is. This one is. Okay, oh, okay. This, this one it says. Some of the stories don't say, but this one says it says the files provided by Snowden illustrate the scale of cooperation between Silicon Valley and the intelligence agencies over the last three years.
1: Well we shouldn't go through Silicon Valley or it's Microsoft in particular. I mean,
0: well right, I but know, no but this one's but what I'm saying is that
1: swath, that
0: yeah. all that we're getting information yep. about the different companies right. and how much the different well, companies have is, cooperated. But is My, a big one. Microsoft is they're the, the one that went guy in here. to help yeah. them,
1: yeah. to really help them, because they're all in, in on it. They're all leftists.
0: So here's what the documents show, according to The Guardian Microsoft helped the NSA to circumvent its encryption to address concerns that the agency would be unable to intercept web chats on the new Outlook.com portal. The agency already had pre encryption stage access to email. On Outlook.com, including Hotmail, huh. the company worked with the FBI this year to allow the NSA easier access via Prism to its cloud's storage service, SkyDrive, which now has more than 250 million users worldwide.
1: This is all for national security, right? For national security. I mean,
0: if it's if it's security, that's it. Then well, any, anything goes. Well, then. you know, Gutfeld said he says. That one time he says, uh, "I'm a libertarian, but I have an escape clause for
1: Not people
0: that. who want to kill me, the terrorists or something. So if it if it's better to find terrorists, he doesn't care. I have nothing to hide." Ugh, bad. Any any you know a lot oftentimes you think he has nothing to hide, although I think half <laughs> half the stuff he says is jokes yeah. about very very personal stuff. I think it, it's all jokes. Yeah, I think. But I hope he he speaks as someone who well, has know, a lot to hide. Just lets it all hang out, right? But. Uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, no, but, no, but this so, so, also. so here's Microsoft. Basically, Microsoft bad, Yahoo, and other people who show that they have tried to fight this good. Yes. And the the one thing that I you know that I wanted to say in terms of Microsoft was, are you surprised that a company whose culture was set by Bill Gates, altruist of the world, yeah. are you surprised that they're doing this?
1: This hack, you know, Bill Gates. Uh, the government went after him for what? years prior to 9/11 if you recall years hunt them down take them out whatever you know he he just he's just too big i mean no one should be make that kind of money and this guy gets in bed with those, with his you know per- persecutors i mean he gets in bed with them i mean he's a whatever i can't say what he is i can but i don't want to yeah
0: yeah it's a it's a family show yes it is a family show
1: he's full of you know what but
0: go go ahead and find this article at the guardian again you can find the link at don'tletitgo.com where i've put a program notes section of the post corresponding to today's show, and you can read all about this horrible program. But imagine, you know, on any any reasonable gloss, use the word reasonable, on any reasonable gloss of that horrible reasonable expectation of privacy test, which is vague and whatever, I would say I have a reasonable expectation of privacy in emails or chats or whatever else you're doing at Outlook.com, that I bother to encrypt. If I'm using <laughs> encryption, right. It's like it's like I'm locking the door of my house. I ha- I have a reasonable expectation Absolutely. of privacy in what's in there.
1: By the way, uh, Steve Jobs is John Lennon and uh, Bill Gates is Paul McCartney, big one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so sad. Let me uh, go ahead and answer a call here that we have. Hi, who's this? This is Tom. Hi Tom. So, did you want to talk about the NSA story, Microsoft and Yahoo sure, and all if that? If
3: you'll go back, if you'll go back pardon me, if you'll go back about 20 years or more, there was big story and a lot of consideration because uh, there was a good software encryption program, public key encryption, called PGP, and the government banned that. And everything since then has a trapdoor built in. So all Microsoft did was let it be known that they had a trap door there for the government to use. It's a government requirement and has been since then. Now, with PGP, you can go however many uh, digits, uh, uh, 1024, 2048, or even higher for encryption, which makes it much more difficult to break. But they've pretty much eliminated that by putting a trap door in everything that's legal in the U.S.
0: So basically, if I was to develop – a much better encryption software right now. You're saying that that would be illegal?
3: Um, I think very likely it would be. If it's not illegal, they would come and uh, enforce that and require the trap door. So um, I'll guess that it is or would be illegal.
0: See, now, I, I don't know how much of an expert you are about the legal climate, but this is what some people have assured me. Some people have assured me that even though the government is doing all this, that there are very, very smart people who can come up with new methods of encryption that will protect us from an overreaching government. But you're saying that if they do that, that they might themselves be in violation of the law, and so it's only a matter of time before all of them are prosecuted. I mean, maybe it's kind of like Bitcoin, right? Uh, As far as I understand, Bitcoin has been shut down or is nearly shut down or is hampered to a large extent because the government saw that people were in effect coming up with an alternative source of money and said, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that. And you're not allowed to have anything near, you know, an objective source of currency, right. like a gold based currency competing with right. the almighty dollar. Yes or no? Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, Tom, I so, think but, you're a first time. Oh yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. You go ahead. Uh,
3: a lot of things you've you've uh, been talking about some today, some other times. If you go back twenty or thirty years, that's when it started, and that's when it had publicity that they were planning on doing it. So right. the thing is, your problem is you're just not old enough.
0: <laughs> well, and th- it's one thing to say that they're planning on doing it; and it's another thing to say they're doing it right now. So I don't know if you listened when we were talking about the story that they're planning on putting little cameras in the cable boxes. Yeah to watch your reaction when you watch commercials on T V or whatever it is. It's one thing to say, okay, they're planning on maybe they're but if you learned right now that not only they've been doing it, they've been spying on everything that you've been doing twenty four hours a day, seven days a week mm-hmm. in your home from the camera on your cable box, you'd be horrified. And and that's how I feel that we have right now. I mean, people thought, okay, there's some sort of improper access that the government is getting. You know, there was the the story about the data center that they're building in Utah that was first broken by Wired Magazine, and then they followed up on it on Forbes. And we sort of knew in the abstract that they have these huge computer databases with a lot of power, and they're planning on doing a lot of something. And then Snowden gives us all the documents that gives you hard, concrete evidence of exactly what they're up to And I think that makes a difference. I mean, does it make well, a difference to you, were, Tom? Or? Well,
3: the thing is, first, if you go back, they were talking about getting that data as they were setting this system up years ago. As for the cameras, you've heard of Microsoft Xbox, and I think it's called Kinetics, which has a camera in it. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. So a lot of people are already hooked up and they don't know it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 1984 in a huge, right. huge scary way that we would not have anticipated. So, Tom, do you say then, because you are aware of this, you know, from 20 years ago, that you don't have a lot of outrage about it, or are you still pretty outraged about it?
3: Well, the motivation is to do something about it. Uh, Because of years of training, um, emotions at the wrong time can get you into trouble and get you killed because you react on emotions instead of by reason true so my my concern is the facts and what to do about it and how to do it uh and of course you can say is motivated by emotions cuz i don't like it but, yeah uh, but i
0: mean you know we if, uh, if we have if we have a if we have a proper outrage which i think a lot of us do in this case then i think that will mo- motivate us to do the right thing obviously then we have to check what we do what we write what we say against logic but you can certainly have a lot of emotions that are directly in line with what you know is right by logic, and and that's if rushing. if you're acting, you know, with some help from those emotions, I think that's to the good. Always motivated by
3: it. well, it can be motivation to a point, but the problem is if you try and make your emotions too important, what happens is that it increases your blood pressure. And that's not <laughs> healthy, and it interferes with your thinking. And
0: logic. Right, exactly. So you have
3: to be more more machine oriented, uh, like a computer, than uh, um, focused on the fact that it makes you as angry as hell.
0: Or, as I've heard, some people argue, you have to express those emotions yes. in mm-hmm. a you know, very kind of just just have an I outburst mean, of expression of emotion, preferably not a public outspre you know, expression of the emotion in case that. maybe yep. you need to think about it a little more and, it. and just get it out of your system. So there's that too, right? That's
3: helpful. Well, yes, there is, and of course right. there's a problem in that that I've had so many years of military training that I have excellent terminology.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, th- th- thanks very much, Tom, for calling in. And and one thing I will talk about a little bit right now is is what I am in particular doing with channeling this this outrage that I have about all the NSA stuff. And it, it's just a I was gonna say a happy coincidence, but it's not a happy coincidence. It's Just a coincidence for whatever it is. I've been working on privacy for a long time, and I had already been planning on releasing this law review article. I'm going to try to send it out in the August first cycle in a couple weeks. A law review article that argues for the elimination of what they call the third party doctrine, this doctrine that says you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in the stuff that you share with third parties, Yahoo, Microsoft, Verizon, yeah. all these companies, right? In terms of motives, do you
1: do you think they had diabolical reasons? So those with the third party doctrine, those who created this and cocked it. No, no, no. I, bet, I
0: the think. third party doctrine. But wrote, the government has been. Yeah, the third party continued. doctrine arose in a context that made it seem legitimate.
1: Well, then the government gets their hands on it, and of but course. but
0: but yeah, the reason they're they the reason that they were shoved into this idea of the third party doctrine is because. Privacy protection rests on the reasonable expectation of privacy standard, right. and we don't protect privacy through rights to property and right. contract. And so therefore they say, well, you don't have a reasonable expectation right. of privacy in this, but you do in that. And then they have to try to distinguish what's the difference between this and that. What's the difference between Tony Soprano yeah. talking to one of his henchmen yeah. in his basement and you know, we don't think that he has – a reasonable expectation of privacy there versus you and I say huh. talking in a household, not on the air. Right. Um, yeah. what, what's the difference between those things? Right. And, and the difference is he's sharing private information with a third party with no privilege. And, you know, sometimes you are talking with people where you have privileges and things like that. Anyway, po- point being is that, Uh, They tried to say, if you share information with a third party, then that's what makes you no longer have this expectation of privacy. Um, If you don't share it with a third party, then everything's supposed to be peachy keen. It's ridiculous, because it's not principled at all. And and what I am arguing is that what Tony Soprano is doing is making an illegal contract. And it's the fact that the contract is illegal.
3: Yeah, that opinion, the yeah.
0: privacy provision of the contract is also invalid. Done. Yeah. That's that's my argument. So, that was my large article. But anyway, that's what I'm doing right now to channel all this and try to do something practical. Just
1: for record, uh, one more thing about the earlier sh- aspect about the show, about the uh, guy who walks in and kills in terrorism. That's not my definition of it, but some people will see that as a hero. They will. And they say, well, he saved lives, and that's right. I mean, it's. In spite of what his personal motive is, sorry, I just got to bring it up because you you, you said, well, that's your position. It's not my position that I actually hold. I have my own ideas about what a hero is, but people can perceive that at times. The guy, the guy who went into the home and got those girls out. Right. I mean, this guy was found out after the fact that he was actually a a wife beater, but he's still getting free burgers for – what from McDonald's for one year, yeah. but for other Burger Choice for. A but I, I
0: I don't I don't think he went into the home from any motivation of wife beating or no, wanting to no, be away. No a wife. <laughs> no no he
1: didn't. But he's not the the clean glistening hero that some have made him out to be, and and that's fine. He saved these girls' lives,
3: you know.
0: Now, before we go on to uh, another story, and if you did want to chime in on this story, you can call us at 760-888-5817. Of course, you could talk about any of the stuff that we've discussed today. Snowden, Trader or Hero, NSA, and the latest things that they're up to, Yahoo versus Microsoft, the latest IRS scandal, even Zimmerman. I don't know. I haven't watched Dredge Report. Is anything going on with Zimmerman? Let's can see. you check out Dredge Let's. and see if we're missing any exciting developments the there? You got your oh, you have a Drudge app. Yeah. Ooh, that's fancy. Uh, one thing I'll just pop here into the chat room. State defiance asked, "What are we supposed to do?" Because, and I love, I love how state defiance uh, refers to Obama, <laughs> broccoli Obama. That's funny. Broccoli Obama spies on us from every angle. You know what I don't like about broccoli? See, broccoli is actually healthful. <laughs> so you are disparaging broccoli yes, yes. by associating broccoli with barack obama yes, broccoli obama Broccoli obama um and and also state defiance says speaking of microsoft windows 8 Win- window 8 sucks um so what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do since the NSA has their hand in everything? First of all, every time you're on the phone, when you're writing an email, you know, you should just add to your signature line, hi, NSA, how you doing today, right? Your, sign- your You know the automatic signature line that publishes at the bottom of every email? Right. Hi, NSA, we love you. <laughs> how are you doing? Um. <laughs> every phone call you make, every text message, Hello. little maybe maybe you could have a little wavy icon, That's you know, an emoticon show. or something. You can do that.
1: Hello, NSA. Hashtag. Um,
0: but but seriously, what you could do is you could choose to patronize businesses that have, you know, set up policies by which they store as little information as possible about you, like DuckDuckGo.
1: I think letter you letter writing might might come back.
0: Well, but no, this is the other thing, too, right? Letter writing. What, what, I, the, uh, I read a, I read a story that the U.S. Postal Service is photographing every single piece of mail and storing it. So, in effect, they are storing the metadata about the letters and packages that you send through the U.S. Postal Service. So it's got the return address, you know, the to and from. It's got the postage
1: stamp, right, right the right. little uh, postmark
0: right. that says the date that you mailed it, right. the post office that you mailed idea. it from, so... But
1: letter writing itself, though, I mean, at least in terms of the content, whereas the emails, they can actually read them, where a letter, they can't, I mean, they can literally, I guess, rip, rip it open, but how, how unlikely is that? It has too much work. They're, they're lazy workers. A lot of, Well,
0: and lot so of. think about this. Suppose there's this metadata, and who knows by what search engine or what are the parameters that they plug into the search engine when they search this metadata about right. the mail that you send, right. suddenly, you, you know, you lucky. you think you have a confidential stream of letters going through the U.S. Postal Service, and then they use all of this metadata to trump up, uh, you know, probable cause. Oh, gee, this person is sending a lot of letters. Yeah. It might be a lot of love letters, very personal love letters. That's what I'm saying. But... Suddenly they say, "Well, this is kind of suspicious," and or how about a you know, le- a letter maybe
1: to, to, to the government, a hate letter. I mean, to the government, they'll read it and they'll open it up. And
0: well, that's a whole different <laughs> ballgame, right? But the, the fact that computer storage is so cheap, the yeah. fact that the processors, the computer processors, are so powerful, makes it. Very easy for them to say, oh, let's just store everything and have it ready in case we want to search it someday.
1: You know, well, this this kind of surveillance is why the Boston bombers get away with it. This is part of why. I mean, mm-hmm. because they're not focused on the actual dangerous ones. They're focused on all Americans. Exactly. Uh, this is just really, I can't believe we're at this point. I really can't Where it. It's come out in the open like this. You know, our friend brings up uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, no doubt about it. But everyone knows about it now. This is out in the open. Our government is up to no good to the point where it's it's I don't know I mean I don't know what it we're is do. it
0: is actually happening now and has been happening are, for a is, number of years. It is
1: criminal activity yep. against the American people.
0: Let's go ahead and take a call. Hi, who's this? Hi,
4: this is uh, Dan Harris.
0: Hey, Dan. Dan, good good to talk to you. Yeah, so, how, how... Good
4: to talk to you. It, did he call in or
0: you you called in with a question right or a comment?
4: Well, yeah, yes. I wanted to comment on um, what you're talking about the third party and. And and, uh, privacy in general. I think uh, Mm -hmm. my buttons are being pushed off. Anyway, uh, yeah, it seems like we're one step away from uh, just making that apply to everything. Like you said, it was unprincipled, but, like, how do you define third party? It seems like it would just be, like, anybody you
0: talk to. Well, and pretty much it is. Pretty much it is. So I think the only exceptions would be if you were talking to somebody where the conversation was privileged For some reason. So if you were talking to a therapist, right, there's some sort of a privilege or a doctor, there's supposedly a privilege, although the doctor patient privilege is being invaded by Obamacare as we speak, right? But an attorney, you know, attorney client privilege. So there's certain third parties where it wouldn't fall under the third party doctrine that that would be overridden by a privilege. But otherwise, To them, a third party is a third party is a third party. So, you know, Tony Soprano talking to his henchmen is just like you talking to your personal banker at the bank.
4: Right. Uh, That's terrible. I remember uh, I was doing, um, I did some watch or, you know, uh, night watch for the military during uh, one of my uh, times there, and, uh, there, I got in a position where I had to go into somebody's room because I was concerned for his safety. But uh, you know, the the it came back down on me with some pressures like you can't just be going in other people's rooms like that without probable cause or anything like that. It's like well, I was concerned for his safety. I wasn't looking for anything, and if I would have found anything, it's not. I wouldn't have done anything about it because you know the, they they take at least in the military the Constitution pretty pretty seriously. Um, mm-hmm. Up to the even up to the point where if I tell somebody hey I think there's some illicit activities uh, going on over there that's basically creating like an agent and they wouldn't recognize that as legitimate as like a third party so it's kind of interesting seeing Google and and Microsoft be explicit and hey you're going to give us some of this information but how is that not turning these people into government agents
0: well and that's the thing everybody is a government agent Mm -hmm. and because so much of what we do now with our personal information involves sharing it with a third party, right? I mean, this didn't right, used to be yeah. the case. This didn't used to be the case, but now that's what we're doing. And with the cloud, I mean, with the cloud it's ridiculous. Some people pack, you know, back up the entire contents of their computer to the cloud, all of their documents oh. and everything else. And many of us, you know, have email on servers and all that kind of stuff too, and email can be very personal. So, it's re- ridiculous how much is shared with a so-called third party that doctrine is clearly wrong and and it's definitely got to go all right
4: and that's all i wanted to add but i wanted to give a shout out to nsa hi
0: Hi NSA, yeah, oh, we go? always go ahead, always. Go. That's like the prelude to the show. I think God, I should please. just open every show with hey NSA. Uh-huh. Now let's go on and, and talk about what we're <laughs> going to yeah. talk about. I you know, if the NSA knew that it was important to ta- to listen to somebody like me, then I think th- there was a little phrase uh, Bessie Speicher, of whom I'm not a big fan, but she used to say, "Objectivism, Ayn Rand's philosophy is winning when, you know, if the NSA is listening to my show, I th- right. I think we're doing we're doing pretty well, right?"
4: <laughs> Absolutely. I think Rand made a comment like that. It just like the, the. I think the Russians had it out for her instead because they actually were. They, they didn't recognize her ideas. They just recognized that she was against them. That's
0: right. Right. That's, right. Yeah.
4: And,
0: and 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 Russia, you know, they were so totalitarian that at that point they they would just go, you know, against anybody. Mm-hmm. And she was afraid that they would take things out on her family. Yep. So yeah. Are okay. you talking, Dan? Well, thank thanks very much, Dan. Good Anything else? To you. Okay, we're going to we'll go on to the next stories here that we have. Luckily, I've just got this stack and again, if you go to dontletitgo.com, I put today a little section called program notes and the links to all the different stories and the things that I've mentioned are there for you to peruse at your leisure. So, here's a story from the Washington Post and I'm thinking I'm going to put this story under the segment of politicians who disappoint us. Yes. We could have oh. probably whole shows on this, but we'll probably just have a segment here and there because it's too depressing otherwise. We keep having hope for politicians. We think that there are certain politicians who are better than the rest and who might actually achieve something in the political arena that's going to make our lives better there, in the short term. There
1: are some that are better than others, no doubt, but in terms of good people, it's very, very difficult. There's maybe, maybe one or two, maybe that comes to mind, but still they have some – yeah, they got some problems.
0: So, so here's one, and this is this is an interesting story because I'm I'm a little ambivalent about it. It's Paul Ryan, right? Mm. And The
1: impressive he- Paul Ryan. The
0: headline that's on Dredge, and, and Dredge put you know Dredge is a sensationalist yeah, of sorts. Time and years. and Dredge's headline has something to do, you know, it, it's just Paul Ryan working behind the scenes
1: like a snake
0: to push the immigration legislation. And I believe Dredge and most of his readers are against immigration legislation, yeah. and some of them I think for the wrong reasons. Yes. Because, you know, again, I keep talking about Yaron Brook, but if you say somebody that you'd like to emulate, I would like to be able to emulate Yaron Brook in many respects mm-hmm. with respect to his ability to analyze political issues, current events, et etc. Very, very, very uniquely. And, and the thing that he said about the immigration issue, which really sticks with me, is that the important thing is the right of a business owner. To hire whomever he wants to work for his company. That's the right, you know, the, the the person whose rights you need to really respect. What about business owners who just want to hire somebody who's going to be good for their business? You know, again, the usual provisos, the person can't be a terrorist. He can't have some big old criminal record. Uh, maybe not even any criminal record. He, and he uh,
1: can't get citizenship right away. Yeah, he can't. Yeah.
0: He can't have citizenship necessarily right away. Working. And and moreover, he can't have horrible contagious diseases, right? So Ellis Island type yeah. scrutiny. Uh, beyond that, you say let's look at the employer. Let's protect his right to hire whoever he wants to work and live in the United States. Yeah. Why can't we have that? Why can't we have an open immigration policy that scaled that way. So you say, okay, that's good. Um, Paul Ryan is pushing the particular immigration legislation that has passed the Senate, apparently.
1: Which Obama likes and which Chuck Schumer likes and John McCain and other bad guys.
0: Right. And so what the story at the Washington Post is about is it's about Paul Ryan working quietly behind the scenes to...
1: And why is he working behind the scenes Because he knows this it doesn't no good i mean he he knows there's something something shaky about it
0: well, but, I don't know you know it's you now the washington post is is a liberal yeah. uh yeah. publication that's probably in favor of the legislation, but the way that he is i mean excuse me the way that the story is trying to portray it is that he is trying not to make. Political hay out of it. He's just trying to do what he thinks is right behind the scenes. Yeah, without blah, blah, blah. without
1: having his signature fully on it. I mean, that's what that's that's he's trying to do.
0: Well, and that's the thing that I think is horrible. That's so, what I'm saying.
1: You know, behind the scenes, hiding. W-
0: what's the purpose of a politician working behind the yes, scenes?
1: Exactly, because he knows
0: if you're if
1: he knows he can't get the stink off him if he if he if he, if he passes yeah. something that people think is terrible.
0: Yeah. So so the overall question that you would ask with respect to any piece of immigration legislation, and I think that reasonable people could disagree. Mm-hmm. About the answer to this question, right? What you would ask is, will this legislation significantly protect the right of employers to hire who they want? Will it, will it be an improvement well, in a significant that's regard? That's a
1: rational thing, right? I mean, right, right. Everything else that and, they're doing. And it.
0: and will it do it without adding so much extra garbage? To the legislation
4: well, that it, quote, you know that, quote, it, you that know. it
0: wipes out the value, and and that that's really the problem, yeah. right? That yeah. that that's the judgment call that everybody has to make. And there's so many different versions of immigration reform. There's going to be the House version and the Senate version, and the you know. So who knows which one is actually good? But suppose, suppose you're Paul Ryan. Suppose that the particular Senate legislation is, as they call it, a political compromise. Hmm. But you think, for the most part, it protects the rights of employers to hire who they want, or it's helping significantly in that regard. And suppose you're in favor of it, then shouldn't you just publicly come out yes. and do that? Yes, and I mean, say but, that.
1: Well, the leftists want millions and millions of votes, which they will get. Uh, the ones on the right, I guess, want cheap labor and also votes. But why can't he come out and rationally say what your own said? I mean, why can't he say that as a conservative? Why, why can't he? Well, we should have people who could, who you know, who want to hire whoever they want to come, mm-hmm. come across the border, go overseas. Why doesn't he do that? Because he's not really concerned in that rational way. I don't know what he's doing.
2: Yeah,
0: here's, and since here's he's behind
1: the scenes. Who knows? I mean, it's just it's hearsay possibly.
0: Here's a little excerpt from the article. It says, while some Republicans make the case for political expediency, hoping to lure Latino voters in elections. Mm-hmm which apparently is not really going to help them anyway. Uh, It says, Ryan sells his argument as a, quote, economic-based immigration system, end quote, one aide said. The idea is that the economy will be better served Mm -hmm. by bringing the raft of undocumented workers currently serving in low-wage jobs into the legal workforce and setting up the right number of visas for skilled employees in key industries. Now, I already see two problems here. Mm -hmm. One is... The economy is going to be better served. And, again, Jerome Brook in his general session lecture at Ocon this week was excellent in pointing out that you really need to be careful about the standard by which you judge this stuff. The goal is not to make the economy better. The goal is to protect the rights of the affected individuals. Who's the affected individual here? It is the individual employer who wants to hire somebody who he wants to hire. So forget that. That's out. And then what about this? Uh, setting up the right number of visas for skilled employees in key industries that is central planning talk uh, and that is garbage very liberal. and any anybody who sees himself as a free economy person well, he, would never say that
1: talk about mixed mixed premises and Paul Ryan I don't know he's half liberal half conservative half re- republican half democrat yeah. I don't know what he is yeah. he's also half at the iran and half catholic I, I don't know or full catholic and you know Here's
0: here's a quote from Ryan. Uh, He said this uh, last month at an event for the National Association of Manufacturers. Quote, immigration will help improve you know the industries that don't have the laborers. He says uh, so that we have the labor we need to get the economic growth that we want, so that America can be a America can be a fast growing economy in the 21st century. Immigration helps us get the labor force. That we need so that we can have the kind of growth we want. And then he says, if he added, he says, if you come here and you put your hand over your heart and you pledge allegiance to the American flag, we want you. End quote. Two problems here, right? Um, this idea that the goal is the fast-growing economy, yes. and and so many of these Republicans they want the fast-growing economy. Yes. Why? Because they want to keep spending like there's no tomorrow. Exactly right.
1: He makes no mention of the fact that. Cutting government programs, cutting spending. No, what will happen? Immigrants will save us. Is what you're
4: saying. Yeah, yeah, mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, It's a lie.
0: Immigrants will allow us to keep spending such that I can, <laughs> I can promote a budget as being, you know, a really strict budget with a lot of <laughs> spending cuts. With when in fact, and this is an example that Tara Smith gave in her lecture, the politics of the pretend. They pretend that Paul Ryan's budget has all these draconian right. cuts, right. when really all that Paul Ryan's budget had was a decrease in the rate of increase in right. spending. Exactly right. They're still gonna increase the amount they spend. They just aren't gonna increase it by quite as much. I mean, and that's what you call a strict draconian cut budget. The
1: reputation you had last year compared to now. Yeah. Every time it opens his mouth he says something wrong and stupid. Right. It's like Wow. That's why he's doing it behind the scenes now. He's like, I can't go public anymore because I'll be called an idiot again. Right. So and therefore, you know.
0: Yeah. And then, and then look at this one when he says, if you come here and you put your hand over your yeah. heart and you pledge allegiance, we'll watch you. I mean, but, also... but, but the implication here is that he's fine with making these people <laughs> citizens.
1: That's right. Right away. Off right? The boat. Exactly. And,
0: and you're wrong. You off
1: the boat or off the boat? I'm sorry.
0: Off the boat. Off the boat <laughs> whichever one. Um, you're right. A lot of people No, you're had a,
1: a, your own hands down had the best the best ideas about immigration when he was on amy show was a few shows ago
0: it was when very he was complex, uh, interviewed for Cameron.
1: very yeah. it was it was just really good stuff and also about the point of Make it very easy for them to come and, and become workers. Make it very, very hard for them to become Americans. Absolutely true. It, yeah. To become an America is a whole different story.
0: You do you, not need to make them citizens no. right away. You do not need to give them the right to vote right away in particular. So what is does this All need you here need to, to make do, you need You need to protect the right of employers to hire whoever they want. You need these people to be able to work and live here legally.
1: Yes, not to That's become it. Americans. That's it. A lot of them, you know, a lot of them come and they work, and they, I've worked with with some who just basically like the fact that they come and work fine. But America, they they can give a rat's you know what. They, they don't care about the country. They don't care about the history of the country, the traditions. No, uh, they don't want to become American, and that's fine. I mean, they could they come here and work, and that's it, and go back home, or it's just send money back, and come back and forth. But to become an American, that's what these guys want. That's what Ryan wants. Uh,
0: why? Why? Uh, it, that's probably the political expediency yeah. angle, and for but, but for whatever reason, again, Paul Ryan, if you're in favor of a piece of legislation, come out publicly. Yes. Don't do it behind the scenes, and come and please come out and do it in a principled way for the right reasons. Yeah, it's
1: like a rat. I mean, it's really ugly. Uh,
0: another politician who has disappointed yeah. me personally in the last week or so is, I'm afraid to say, Senator Ted Cruz. He has diverted himself from his wonderful message about abolish the IRS. And again, in the first hour, we talked about the IRS, latest IRS scandal, the latest evidence that the IRS is mixing political ends with enforcement of IRS code. Uh, You know, just just stay on that, Senator Cruz, because what he's what he's done this week is he has put out a press release, a statement on the passage of the Texas House Bill number 2, which bans abortion after 20 weeks. So the Texas House has passed this. I don't think it's law yet exactly, but imagine if it comes into law and then we have to do Roe versus Wade all over again. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is Cruz speaking about it. He says, House Bill 2, is an important step that will strengthen protections of innocent, unborn life and improve the safety and health of Texas women. I hope the Texas Senate will take swift action to pass this legislation for the good of all Texas children and their mothers. Our nation was founded on the principle that we are endowed by our creator with unalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America's founders knew that life comes first, blah, 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 blah. Um
1: let's make the concrete case why because some some who might be listening might not understand our our position. Okay,
0: so what I do in, in my philosophy, and you can read at org. you can just search for abortion, and there's many excellent writings by objectivists about this. But in essence, yes, there are lifelike processes that begin at conception, but rights do not begin at conception for objectivists. Certainly not at conception maybe arguably at viability when you can have an entity a human being that is an individual an individual that can survive apart from the the host i mean really what you have up to a certain point in the pregnancy at least is a parasite and i therefore am in favor of the right to an abortion at least up until viability 20 weeks is pushing it for viability as far as I know I think 24 weeks is probably a little more right. like it but the, you know the other thing is it, you know and, th- and this is the thing too I would think if, if you are a woman who is pregnant with a healthy pregnancy right there's nothing wrong you've had genetic screening everything's good if you can't get off your butt to get an abortion before 20 weeks you are doing something immoral. So yeah. I, I agree. It would be immoral immoral. Immoral if unless there's some weird extenuating circumstance that something that happened past the twenty week mark. If, if you're gonna to get an that abortion, it's
1: different you, with your own body and what's growing yeah, inside.
0: You've got to do it. You've got but to then
1: d- it's an issue of legality, an issue of uh, Right.
0: But legality is a different thing and there are a number of circumstances, even past the twenty week mark where I could imagine it being perfectly moral to terminate a a pregnancy. Uh, There are certain defects or things that can go wrong, such that you would be giving born to somebody that would not have any chance at all of a human life, as as we know it. So there's a number of things that you could do that I'd say, okay. But, you know, yeah, I I agree with those people who would say it would be immoral to wait that long to have the abortion, assuming everything else. Um what about situations in which past 20 weeks there's some horrible preeclampsia thing and uh they have to remove the baby in order for the mother to survive and the baby might not survive and so it ends up being in effect an abortion uh maybe you're not going to kill it but you know you're, right. you you have to take the you know unborn fetus or whatever out right. in order to Save the life of the mother. So there's situations where, you know, again, I don't know what this legislation is like, but you're pushing a slippery slope here. Yep. If you ban it 20 weeks, then when is it going to be 16 weeks? And 16 yep. weeks is when you can get amniocentesis. And that's when you can actually find out whether you're going to have an entity that looks sort of like a human being but isn't capable of having any Survivor sort of a life that is yeah. like human.
1: I just, uh, I, I, I,
0: I, I, think, you know, not so, so I, I disagree with it. This not something that Ted should be
1: pushing right now. It really isn't, uh, because this is uh, a time where our government is, you know, it's, it's, it's a leviathan, and he's been very good about it. And now, I guess, in order to give some red meat to certain constituents, I don't know why he's doing it. So maybe that's his personal beliefs. That's fine. But this is not an issue of our time. It isn't, no matter what you may believe, no matter who's listening may believe. Life begins at
0: conception and all that. Well, well it, it, again, you know. it, go, it goes back to that point of we're having a discussion about how we should govern our nation, how government, whose job it is to protect individual rights and to do it objectively, on on what standards it should be legislating. And I submit that the this is based in faith. This is based yeah, in religious faith. It is. And that we should not be arguing for pieces of legislation based on religious faith. That yep. faith should not be the argument. Well, when they
1: say also, they say, well, I believe it's murder. Okay, you can believe that. Don't try to force us into a situation where we cannot do it because you believe that it's murder. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, that's immoral. I mean, really, it's yeah. pushing. It's when, very, I mean, very Muslim.
0: Well, and then, it's, and this, it's this very is,
1: Muslim to do that.
0: This is one of the problems with the Roe versus Wade opinion. Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court declined. To say when life begins, and, and and actually we don't need even to say when life begins. So think about this, right? Again, when does life begin? The way I like to phrase it is life-like processes right. begin at conception. That's very good. Yeah. There, there are life processes even you not even life-like, but it's processes you know that have to do with a stage of, of human life, right? Is there rights? Rights belong to individuals. They don't belong to parts. The yeah. They don't belong to parts of individuals. They don't belong to potential individuals. You have got at early stages of the pregnancy, at least parts and etc. Um, so I, I am concerned about this. That's, let me just also, say that.
1: Just post, you know. Uh, then you have the left though where there are post-pregnancy abortions. That's a whole different story. I mean, they're just a, they're just really immoral. And also that one that, that one doctor. Remember the killing. Uh, Cutting heads off of, you know, newborns who were actually healthy, that's evil. I mean, people want want that baby. They want to, to raise a baby. People who who can't have them. Uh, do you mind just just one comment I made? I actually tweeted two things about this.
4: Okay, go ahead. One thing,
1: you know, those who believe that life begins at conception should be celebrating their, their conception day, not not their birthday. According to them, we're all nine months older than we are. And one thing, another tweet that I did, it was it garnered, I think it was 200 comments on Facebook. Very passionate back and forth. If life begins at conception and evil begins at birth, meaning "quote unquote" original sin in the uh, in uh, Christianity, then does that explain why religious conservatives deified the unborn? Meaning, when they speak of life, usually conservatives religious they always speak of the unborn "quote unquote," you know, babies, not me, not you, not living breathing beings. About babies who were not born yet. I mean, pre-baby. Yeah,
0: and you know, I guess if, if you do believe in original sin, you believe that there's some sort of stain
1: yeah, in your conscience so at the time
0: of birth. So, maybe. so therefore,
1: the only true life is the ones that are not born yet, because yeah. once you're born, you're evil. I mean, original yeah. sin.
0: So yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that Cruz is spending energy on this. He and I disagree on this. Yeah. I, I might be convinced of a carefully crafted piece of legislation that talked about viability Mm -hmm. as some sort of a a timeline with particular exceptions where the mother, the actual living person, takes precedence over the child. Yes, the living, breathing human. If there's some sort of an agency or a life-threatening circumstance. But that
1: woman's evil because she's been born, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but, well,
0: anyway, what, anyway sorry, the left we, post, we have to go on, post-birth
1: abortions and then the right, you got uh, Rick Santorum, the conservative id, who basically says, yeah, my daughter will have a kid if she, even if she gets raped. I mean, it is what it is, right?
0: Yeah. Now, now see, you thought you had nothing to say about this issue, Bosh. <laughs> yeah. You thought you well, had I nothing to say.
1: It's a freedom issue. Again, like gay marriage, this is, uh, you know, women have the rights. They do. Yeah. And yeah, it's immoral after a certain point. No doubt about it. But to try to impose, you know, your idea that uh, life begins at conception on those who don't believe that,
3: right? It's just right.
0: Let's let's go ahead and go on now. And here's something that probably that. everyone who can. Listen to this show can agree on right. actually. I'm going to skip Napolitano because we're out of time yes. Napolitano is stepping down. I say good riddance Absolutely. I say the chance that Obama is going to appoint anybody better is probably nil
4: They might
0: really so.
1: appoint someone far worse even possible yeah. if that's possible.
0: Who knows? Um, a few pieces of good news to, to end here. here Here's a poll actually and it's 56% favor delaying the individual health care mandate of obamacare
1: delaying or wiping it out
0: well at least delaying right, right? wiping it out is probably another poll right, right. but th- i think this is good news this is in reaction to obama's recent revelation that he is going to delay the employer mandate until after the 2014 elections oh how convenient right but Basically what, think, you, know, what you know, the the Republicans, they react and they say, well, let's go ahead and delay the individual mandate then. And Senate Republicans are apparently saying, let's delay it permanently. Right. Yeah. So what, you know, obviously Obama, I think, is the worst, the yeah. worst culprit in all yeah. this, the worst perpetrator, the worst criminal in all this. Why? Because he pushes through, he rams through against the wishes of the American people, yeah. this piece of legislation and then all, says, oh, it. well, you know, you can have a waiver. Nope. All these little—remember all those waivers that oh, businesses? Yeah. Last year, business, two years yeah ago. You can have a waiver, and then now it's everybody can have a delay if she you're knows an employer. it's
3: destructive,
1: right? And that's what makes them a needless. And
0: then Republicans come in and they say, "Well, you know, let's have individuals have a delay," and so they're basically taking what I'm calling cafeteria-style Obamacare. Mm. You know, Obamacare is like this big cafeteria, and you decide I'll have a little bit of this, a little bit. I don't want the green beans. you know, I want it. It's all
1: poison, but uh, you know, that one's less poisonous.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so basic, you know, and 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 think about Obamacare in general, right? Obamacare, we can't even begin to imagine all Mm. the horrible provisions. But from what we know about it, it's this cobbled together piece of yuck.
1: In theory, it's evil. In practice, yeah.
0: No, it's 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 this cobbled together piece of yuck that the only way any private insurance company can hope to stay in business under this cobbled together piece of yuck is by all of it being enforced. Why? Because only by these mandates being enforced are the requisite projected number of people being forced into the market and that volume the volume of customers is supposed to make up for the fact that they now have to have certain price caps or treat for pre-existing conditions or cover your birth control, Sandra Fluck or whatever her name is, right? Um, Right. All of this is supposed to be in place. And so now Obama's like doing the bait and switch on all these companies. And and he's saying, well, you know – you companies, you you can hang on a little bit longer. It's a, it, it, If you know it's Atlas little, Shrugged, if you know yeah. Atlas Shrugged, it's you'll find a way, Mr. Reardon, yes. right? And, and we've already seen that certain companies have already announced that they're going out of business. So, for instance, uh, Aetna, Aetna Insurance is no longer going to be mm-hmm. offering individual plans in California after the end of this year.
1: That was the goal of Obamacare, How many knock more, out the private sector. How, how
0: many more are going to have to go out of business if – this employer mandate is delayed, right? Because they were counting on all of these extra customers being mandated. And if the Republicans do their answer to it, they're no better, right? You think, okay, well, the individual mandate, right? Let's get rid of it. And it is true that that is the most prominent aspect of Obamacare that, that. that, you know, everyone's been talking about, right? But it is also the piece that if it isn't there, is going to ensure that these various insurance companies go out of business even faster. Yeah. And what does that mean? A fast track to socialized medicine. So yes. I am against that. Let's, let's talk about a couple good pieces of news before the very end of the program. I got 90 seconds here. Uh, Texas oil production ranks 15th in the world among countries. Mm. So I guess they've more and more than doubled their production in a short period of time, which is awesome. And then the other thing, you can check the link out at my blog. Uh, it, it's an article at Adweek. It says, watch the most baffling, bafflingly bafflingly. Yeah, I can pronounce bafflingly. that. Bafflingly awesome new product demo of 2013. It's something called. Something called Never Wet.
1: Check okay. it out.
0: Check it out. If, Very if cool. And otherwise, if you have a comment on this show, go to DontLetItGo.com where you can leave comments. Check out my production notes for today, my program notes, all the links. And also you can support this podcast if you like. But if you like this podcast, the biggest thing you can do is spread the word. It's spread mostly by word of mouth. My mouth is only uh-huh. so big. And it's tired at the end of two hours. So thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.